This is SharperTalkMedia.com. Join the community. Welcome to Hire Up, the podcast designed to help you take your business to a higher level. Get the latest news and updates on everything human resources. Unlock the occupational DNA so you can identify, select, develop, and retain top talent. And now your host, John Beck. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Higher Up, the podcast devoted to everything human resources and taking your organization to a higher level. Really excited about our guest today, my friends. Our guest is a top-selling author, keynote speaker, futurist, and co-founder of the Future of Work community. His latest book, The Employee Experience Advantage. How to Win the War for Talent by Giving Employees the Workplaces They Want and the Tools They Need and a Culture They Can Celebrate. It analyzes over 250 global organizations to determine how to create an organization where people generally want, not need to show up to work. His work has been endorsed by business leaders including the CEO of Whirlpool, Global Chairman of KPMG, owner of the Golden State Warriors, CEO of Schneider Electric, and dozens of others. Jacob Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm going to tell you, that's like deja vu. And I have to thank Jacob because we had a slight malfunction, and I don't mind admitting that. And uh, so we uh, had to do a retake. But Jacob, thank you for being patient with me and, and, and dealing with my amateur uh, uh, start here. Oh, no worries. Hey, man, with technology, it always happens. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you have to get it off of uh, standby and get it into the record mode. Um, so, Jacob, checking in with you. So I've had an opportunity to review your work and outstanding information. We're really excited to really introduce it to our listeners and our community here at Higher Up. And so before we jump into your topic, the future of work, and really expand on that, what's going on in Jacob's future? Lots of new things, uh, new baby, new book coming out, a new website being launched, new research projects. So all sorts of fun stuff is happening. That That's good stuff. And you mentioned uh, it, it's a daughter, right? Yes, it is. She's uh, five months old. And uh, so that's definitely keeping me pretty busy. I bet it is. I bet it is. As, an, as a dad of two daughters, I know exactly what you're saying. Tell us a little bit about, as we dive into this topic, engagement and experience, and there's a difference between that. Sure. Uh, well, as I believe many of your listeners would be able to relate, the concept of employee engagement is one that we hear about everywhere. I mean, it's been around for many decades. Yes. And uh, recently, we've been starting to hear about this theme of employee experience. And most times when you hear about those two concepts, they're used interchangeably. So people assume that it's the same thing. And the whole issue with employee engagement is that we have never before seen so much investment in this topic. Um, billions of dollars are poured into this, and we've never seen more institutions and surveys and all these things that are happening. Yet at the same time, scores around employee engagement around the world have never been lower. Mm -hmm. So why is that happening? How is it that investment has been at an all-time high, but scores have been virtually at an all-time low? And whether or not this was the intended consequence of employee engagement, it has become the short-term adrenaline shot, the short-term band-aid solution that most organizations use as a way to 
fix things. Right. So if things aren't going well, employee engagement scores are low, companies will introduce something, uh, free food on Wednesdays, some kind of a perk, work from home on Fridays, etc. cetera. Uh, but it doesn't really focus on true organizational design as far as putting people at the center of how work gets done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, employee experience is the actual change. It's the actual redesign of the company that focuses on the people instead of just doing some kind of a Band-Aid solution. So that's kind of the difference between the two. And if you were to look at it as kind of a framework, uh, employee engagement is the effect. Uh, employee um Experience is the cause. So first you invest in employee experience, then you create an engaged workforce as a result of that, and then you see business results as um, as a result of an engaged workforce. So, so if you look at it in that kind of linear pattern, it, it starts to make much more sense. When you're looking at the traditional engagement, I'm in our organization, in some of the work we do, we get calls quite often about in, in, uh, employee engagement. Uh, you know, they want to run surveys and do these types of things. And oftentimes you're right. You're so right. That is simply just a bandaid or a quick fix to try to get to a root cause. But when you can affect the experience, which leads me to when you talk about affecting the experience, what are some trends that, that are shaping that? What are organizations doing? And when we look at the whole picture of an experience, kind of paint that picture for us, if you will. Sure. So employee experience is essentially um, the intersection between two things. So on the one hand, you have employee needs and expectation, wants, desires. And on the other hand, you have what the organization is actually doing. So things that they roll out, um, programs they introduce, et cetera. The intersection of those two areas is where employee experience happens. Mm -hmm. It's where the desires, needs, and wants, and expectations of the employee match with what the organization is actually doing. Uh, so that's where true experience for the employees happen. It's, it's, it's designed, it's created by the company. And so there are a couple of trends that we're seeing that are causing organizations to really make this dramatic shift from Band-Aid to actual organizational redesign. Mm-hmm. The first is that there's been a lot of poor success with employee engagement. Um, quite honestly, it has been underperforming, underwhelming, and although there, like I said, have been um, investments in the billions of dollars, the the scores have remained relatively sluggish. Right. Uh, the second trend that we're seeing, and there are a few of these, uh, so I'll just rattle them out quickly. Uh, the second trend that we're seeing is people analytics and data. So truly being able to understand your people, how they work, why they work, uh, and being able to design things around that is another trend. Mm-hmm. The influx of sociology and psychology inside of companies. Uh, one of the fastest growing fields uh, is industrial organizational psychology. And it is moving from, I feel like, being looked at as a softer science to really becoming much more of a harder science, especially as we see the influx of people analytics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, another trend that we're seeing is around technology. So not just AI and automation and big data and wearables, but uh, we're seeing augmented virtual reality solutions, collaboration platforms, all sorts of fascinating technologies entering our companies. Transparency is another big one. Right. So if you, if people don't like working for your company, they're going to go to sites like Glassdoor, they're going to turn to social media, and that will inherently shrink your talent pipeline because today, before ever having to speak with you, a company or a, uh, an individual can can find out everything they need to know about what it's like to work there on a site like Glassdoor. So that's been another challenge. And sure. uh, the last trend um, 
that I think is worth mentioning is the expansion around competition. So there used to be a time where you would compete against talent uh, just directly with your competitor. So Coke versus Pepsi, Toyota versus Ford, like that's pretty much how it went. Sure. Um, or you would compete against somebody in your geographical area. So if you're in San Francisco, you compete against other people in the same area. But today that's expanded. Uh, everyone is competing against everybody. So Toyota is competing against Nestle. Ford is competing against Sanofi. Mm -hmm. Boeing is competing against uh, Procter & Gamble. And not only that, but we're also competing against sites like Uber and Upwork because there's a lot of talented people that are wanting to avoid working for these big companies in favor of uh, going off on their own. So all these things coming together, I think, are really forcing organizations to think about how do we genuinely redesign our company from the ground up that really focuses on creating a place where people want to show up to work? Are you seeing a big trend, flexible hours where individuals can pick and choose whether they're going to work possibly from home and or from from the office? And, and, and there's not even a schedule. Yeah, that's a huge trend. Um, it's, it's a big area of investment for many companies, but it is one aspect of what creates the overall experience for people. So um, although this is becoming very, very important, uh, I, I think that there's also broader discussions that need to happen around overall experience. But mm -hmm. I mean, you're absolutely right. Companies are investing lots of time and money and resources into workplace flexibility because they realize that work is no longer just a physical place that you have to go to. Work is something that you can essentially get done anywhere that you have a Wi-Fi connection. Right. And, you know, there are pros and cons, right? Some people say that uh, what about face-to-face -face communication? What about seeing each other? So my approach to this is to allow employees to choose how they want to work. So some people do prefer to come into the office. That's fine. Let them come in. Some people prefer that virtual, that flexible environment. That's fine. Give that to them. Mm -hmm. But you can also set certain guidelines and expectations for your team based on what you believe will work. So for example, you might have... Um, one day a week where everybody should come into the office or two days a week where everybody just comes in for a couple hours just to chat on certain things. I mean, you can experiment, right? There, there right. are no hard rules around this. Uh, you got to do what makes sense for the team and for the company. Sure, sure. Now, when we talk about employee engagement and, you know, and, and as that seems to become more of an antiquated process, while still many, many companies are engaged in engagement efforts, talk to me a little bit about as we're looking at this uh, shifting to this experience model or, or experience process, what's the business impact? What's the return? What are you? What are organizations seeing who really embrace the employee experience? So the companies that truly redesign themselves are seeing quite a lot of uh, business impact, and this has been one of the other challenges in the space is being able to rank and quantify this. So for the new book that I have coming out, I did a couple different layers of ROI analysis. And um, in addition to looking at anecdotal data and um, some other kind of qualitative data, I looked at a lot of quantitative data. Mm -hmm. So that is financial metrics. I found that from the 252 companies I analyzed, there were around 6% of the companies that did an awesome job uh, when it came to investing in the employee experience. Mm -hmm. And employee experience, by the way, is a combination of three things, culture, technology, and physical space. So the companies that do an amazing job at investing in all three of those areas have higher average revenue per employee, profit per employee. They are smaller in size, 
they have a, a higher uh, tenure and retention rates than other organizations, and they also perform uh, far better as far as stock price performance goes than other companies. I, I found this to be absolutely fascinating. It, so, that that engaged me right off the bat when you brought that. Yeah. Up. Um, so in doing research for my last book that came out on the future of work, um, I thought it would be interesting just to look at some basic definitions around how we refer to employees, managers, and work. And if you would open up the dictionary and look up the word employee, you would find synonyms that include cog, servant, slave. Uh, for manager, you would find synonyms that include boss, slave driver, and zookeeper. And for the word work, you would find daily grind, drudgery, and struggle. And it is funny and amusing, but it also should be very scary because when we genuinely associate these words with how we work, it's not surprising that we have so many organizations around the world that don't treat people well and why we have so many people that are not engaged and, and not fulfilled by the work that they're doing. It's, it's really actually ingrained and embedded in how we've built our companies. And, that, and we spent... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say that that led me to go right into that whole cultural shift. You know, the, the traditional culture with which most organizations still look at, you know, the workplace uh, employees instead of team members or uh, managers instead of, you know, leaders. The, the, the past uh, experiences of that and the cultures that surround that by creating a new culture uh, and, and the process you're talking about, which is uh, fantastic, which leads into you, you mentioned the workplace. Tell us a little bit about when we talk about workplace, you know, what's that future workplace look like? Or what are these organizations, this top 6% that are making the physical piece so important or attractive to, to the workforce? We spend so much time talking about various concepts inside of organizations that we rarely take time to take a step back and look at the very basics. Like how do we actually define employee, manager, and work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the foundation from all of this stems from is we need to redefine what these things are um, and, and really change around these synonyms because, boy, that's that's scary. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there are 10 things that make up culture, three things that make up technology, and four things that make up the physical environment uh, inside of all the organizations. So we have 17 variables in total that shape the employee experience. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to physical space, I think that there are um, perhaps the most important one is having the values that are physically manifested inside of the organization. So what do I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, most companies you walk in and you see um, or they tell you that their values are trust and collaboration and fun and transparency and stuff like that. Right. But then when you actually walk into the company, you don't see those values physically manifested anywhere. Instead, you see cubicles, you see people walking around looking miserable, you don't see anybody talking to each other. So the the values are essentially just um, lip service. They're, they're useless, mm -hmm. and those values are, are, are meaningless. So you need to walk into a company <clears throat> and genuinely see the values being reflected in the physical workspace. Uh, to give you an analogy, it's sort of like online dating, right? right. If anybody's ever tried online dating, which, you know, before I got <laughs> married, I, I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one thing to see somebody's profile 
on online or on paper, right? They they say they're good looking. They they this is their height, their weight, their eye color, you know, etc. And then all of a sudden you meet them in person, and this has happened to me a few times, right. and they look totally different. They're like a foot shorter, or their uh, their hair is short instead of long. They, they just look like a totally different person. Right, right. And you look at that, and you're like, "What the hell? Uh, <laughs> this isn't what um, I was told. This isn't what I signed up for." And this is what happens inside of a lot of our companies because uh, they, they put on a good show on the front, but when you walk in, uh, where's the ping pong table? <laughs> Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of a bait and switch, right? right. Um, you do the interviews during the uh, during the uh, selection process, and they say, "Oh man, it's so awesome working here. Everybody's always got your back. People are always going to help you out. It's a lot of fun." And then you show up to work, and it's like, "Okay, you got to wear a suit and tie every day to work. Here's your eight foot tall cubicle. You work nine to five. Uh, you use these outdated technologies to get your job done, um, and you're." It just there's a very big disconnect between the values of the company and what they say they care about versus the physical environment of what it's like to be there. And those two things need to match up. So either either change your values and be honest and you know change your values to things like um, misery, <laughs> uh, silos, stuffy. Yeah, stuffy <laughs> bureaucracy. So you can either change your values. Or you change your physical space, but the two need to match up because if they don't, it makes no sense. Right, right. That's great. That's that's good stuff. Uh, again, organizations are promising, hey, we're we're cutting edge, but then you go in and it's just the you know out of date technology base that that you're struggling to use and and do your job. Yeah, I mean that doesn't help anybody. It's bad yeah. for the company. It's bad yeah. for the people. When we talk about the future. In the principles of what, what does this future employee and uh, look like, uh, or the, the you know what, what are we talking about in that con in that context? So there were three things that I looked at in in my previous book on the future of work. There were seven principles of the future employee, ten principles of the future manager, and fourteen principles of the future organization. Mm -hmm. So I'll just rattle off the the seven for the future employee. Right. Uh, Workplace flexibility, customization, sharing information, new ways to communicate and collaborate, can become a leader, shifting from a knowledge worker to a learning worker, and learning and teaching at will. Wow. I think those are the the, the seven principles that make up the employee of the future. And then, um, I mean, we can talk about any one of those if you want. Yeah. But um, these are genuinely things that we're starting to see, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then the manager. So the manager has 10 principles of the future manager. And I don't know if you want me to rattle off um, all 10 of these. Well, pick, of the, pick, pick the ones that you feel are, are really, and while they're all important, give us the top, top few. Sure. So one of the top ones is this notion of is a leader. So all managers must be leaders, um, which means engaging, inspiring, empowering others. Embracing vulnerability in the workplace is absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, understanding technology. And I think another crucial one there is this concept of challenging convention, challenging the status quo. I right. think that's also very important for the future manager. We, uh, we, we talk a lot about that in, in a lot of the work we do about, uh, going from a management mentality to a leadership mentality, uh, individuals work for managers, but they will follow and engage a leader. It's just a strict management style process and, 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 and approach. 
as an organization shifts and you can see where sometimes it takes replacing individuals and bringing, whether it's bringing in a, a new individuals within an organization or trying to re-engineer the ones you have uh, to adopt the leadership mentality or leadership approach and what they do. When you see that, it really starts to send a psych- excitement through an organization. When you talk about the future principles, and again, I know there's what 14 or, or so of those, but let, let's again just touch on a few of those. Sure. So some of the key principles of the future organization are, um, and again, there's 14 of them. So some of the some of the key ones are items like um, having a connected workforce. So where people can get their jobs done anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Mm-hmm. Uh, this notion of focusing on want instead of need. So creating a place where people want to be there and not where they need to be there. A couple other ones that I think are crucial are the ability to shift from profit to prosperity, which is focusing on um, not just money in dollars and cents, but health and well-being, the impact to the environment, to the community, to the world. I think those are all crucial. Intrapreneurial. Yes. Um, so having an organization where people can be entrepreneurs uh, inside of the company, I think those are some of the most crucial ones. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, when we talk about, uh, you, you had mentioned uh, in, in some of the information you and I exchanged, which was, should companies try to be like Google? Talk to us a little bit about that. That's something that we always see, right? I mean, everyone um, sees Google doing something and then they say, oh man, Google did this. We got to do that. Right. And, and that's been a very, very unfortunate thing, right? Because everyone's trying to be like Google or like Facebook or Netflix mm-hmm. or LinkedIn. And that's not the right approach to thinking about employee experience or anything around the future of work. I mean, these companies do things because it makes sense for them. They have data, they have research, they've spent the time to understand um, what their employees care about and what makes sense for them. And just doing something because they're doing it isn't gonna isn't gonna make any sense, right? I mean, if, right. if you look at like Brad Pitt or Ryan Gosling, if you dress like them and start talking like them, it doesn't mean you're gonna be them. Right. You're right. not... You're not all of a sudden going to get a call from an actor or from a a director that's going to pay you, uh, you know, $20 million to be in a film. It doesn't work like yeah. that. Um, so, you know, this copying mentality is a great form of flattery, but it does nothing for your company uh, except show that you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So focus on what makes your company unique. Do what makes sense for you. Talk to your people. Ask, one, ask them what they care about, what they value, and, and do... Do you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about doing somebody else. <laughs> I tell you what, that's probably the best advice because, you know, and, and look, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure there's a lot of organizations guilty of it. We were redesigning some workspace here. And, you know, first thing I was doing was Googling Google's workspace because you just, you know, you look at it and you're just like, I want to work there. The physical view of it is just phenomenal. And you start to think, well, oh, we want to be like that. And when in fact, uh, you really, you know, and you just hit it on the head is you really need to invest the time and understand the wants and needs of your people, uh, and your team members to create the environment that's going to work best for your organization. It's really the only approach to take is just to focus on your strengths and, and being you. Yep. When you tie all this together, where do you see the future of HR going, Jacob? Where are we headed with this? I actually think HR is one of the most exciting um, functions inside of a company today. And it's 
It's definitely changing and transforming. So HR is definitely going to be focusing more on this broader concept of employee experience, not so much on hiring and firing and, and legal and all that sort of stuff. I think it's going to be genuinely focusing on culture, technology, physical space, and creating an environment where, where people want to show up. And so I think that means being more of a strategic business partner, being seen less of a cost center, um, mm -hmm. being seen as somebody that has a key strategic seat at the table, um, somebody that's genuinely going to be leading the company around all of these themes that we've been talking about related to the future of work and employee experience. Uh, HR is the one function that touches every single person at the company. So it only makes sense that they should be leading and helping pave the way. I also think the very title uh, of uh, HR we're already starting to see disappear, right? right. I mean, people-related roles, we're starting to see all sorts of new roles uh, crop up. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a very, very exciting time for HR, but it's only exciting if these organizations take advantage of it and make some changes happen. Otherwise, I think they're just going to be seen as a kind of outdated company. I tell you, the information that you provided for us today is phenomenal. And what I'd like to do, uh, sort of in wrapping up here, is let's share with the audience. Um, you mentioned several things that you have working, uh, the introduction of a new website, your book. I want to just review those again, more detail. I want you to feel free to give the audience uh, the, your website, contact information. And as always, folks, we'll have a page uh, on the website, hrhigherup.com, devoted uh, directly to this particular episode with Jacob. The episode will be titled The Future of Work with Jacob Morgan, and uh, we'll have all his contact information and links to all of his all of his sites. But Jacob, just go ahead and give the organization, uh, give our audience uh, information on how can they find more about you and the things, the great work you do. Yeah, thank you. It's very easy to actually uh, find me and get in touch with me. Um, probably the easiest way is just to either Google my name, Jacob Morgan, and that'll take you directly to my website, which is thefutureorganization.com. Uh, from there, you will find links to podcasts, videos. My email is jacob at thefutureorganization.com for people that want to get in touch with me. Uh, the Future of Work community website is fowcommunity.com. So that's pretty easy to find as well. And I think those are all the main ways. The, the new book, uh, Employee Experience Advantage, is going to be uh, available on March 27th, but it's already available for pre-order pretty much anywhere you can find a book. So you can check that out. And that's uh, uh, that's by Wiley? Yes, that's uh, by Wiley. All right, great, great. We also share that in common. Uh, I represent... Uh, two of the, uh, three of their uh, uh, brands. So yeah, we uh, we share the uh, the Wiley uh, experience there. Um, well, Jacob, I want to really thank you on behalf of uh, the Higher Up podcast and, and our audience. I think you've shared some great information today. Uh, anything in closing? Well, I I would say a closing parting word of wisdom is think of your companies more like labs and less like factories. Uh, experiment, test, play around, see what works and what doesn't. Factories are very linear and focused on status quo. Get away from that mentality yeah. and just think of your company like a big lab. And, and you're the scientist and you got to find the cure. Just play around. <laughs> well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Jacob. And uh, thank you all for listening and checking in with us again on Higher Up, the podcast devoted to taking your organization to a higher level. show notes, updates, and more on how to break the code to unlocking occupational DNA. Join the community at hrhigherup.com. 
and take your business to a higher level. This has been an exclusive production of SharperTalkMedia.com. Join the community.